0: Welcome to Story Shaped, the podcast about the stories that shape us and have the power to change the world. I'm Susan Cahill, debut children's author, and my co-host is the seasoned and wonderful children's author Sinead O'Hart. Together, we'll be taking you through some deep dives into the books that shaped us and interviewing other writers about their favourite and most influential stories. We hope you'll enjoy Story Shaped.
1: Hello again, Story Shapers. It's your favorite day and mine. It's Thursday, which means it's time for more story shaped goodness. This week, we're sitting down with Julia Pike, who is the author of the wonderful middle grade novel *The Last Spell Breather*, which was published by OUP in 2019. And hopefully today we'll get some insight into the stories and spaces which have shaped Julie into the reader and writer she is today. Julie was brought up in Neath in Wales, growing up on a street called, with apologies for my pronunciation, Gwael Penderin Penderin. This became the town of Penderin. <laughs> Apologies for my, my Welsh is non-existent as you can hear. Um, it became the town of Penderin in her brilliant novel. So it's clear that the landscapes and places of Julie's childhood have had a profound effect on her creative work. She is a true adventurer, having crawled inside the Great Pyramid at Giza, climbed all the way up Kilimanjaro, and obviously, hopefully, all the way back all the way back down again, uh, trekked across the Himalayan plains towards Mount Everest and, most impressively for me, lived through a lightning storm while camped on the Great Wall of China. That sounds incredible. Um, these days, she works in the climate sector as well as volunteering with schools and libraries in her adopted Dorset to bring fantastic stories to readers. And of course, she's a writer of immense talent and heart, whose book, The Last Spellbreather, is one of my favourites from the last few years. So welcome, Julie, to Story Shaped. And we can't wait to dive right into the stories that have shaped you. Welcome, Hello, Julie. <laughs> oh,
2: lovely introduction.
1: Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Yeah, I'm <laughs> really great.
0: excited to talk to you about books and stories because the magical system in your book, The Last Spellbreather, Breather, is so it's so book based. It's like book yes. where it's book magic. It's word magic. It's it's story magic.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me six years to write that story. It took me six years to learn how to write stories. And that was, just, <laughs> that was the story that I kept going over and over. And it was only, I guess, towards like uh, the end of that process that I realized it was all about the power of words, you know? Um, yeah, and when I got that, the magic system kind of fell into place then, yeah.
0: It's such an interesting magic system. I don't think I've seen anything like it
1: anywhere else. It's totally unique. I've never seen anything like it anywhere else. Yeah, it's, it's amazing.
2: Oh, um, that's very kind. Thank you. Um, I have had some nice feedback about that. Um, yeah, but I think I was uh, yeah, three years into the writing before I realized that magic systems were a thing, you know?
0: <laughs> Magics have to have rules. I think I realized that um that's true. In one of my drafts as well. I was like, oh, there needs to be some there needs to be some rules here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah Brandon Sanderson does a brilliant um blog series on the, the rules for magic systems. Oh covered over three blogs. And um, maybe I'll send you the link if you want to drop it into yeah, the- Yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. Bottom. But I, those are my go-tos um, in terms of learning about the different uh, ways to create magic systems. Uh, they're not prescriptive at all. They're just ways to think about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's great, Jamie. Yeah, we, we can all use help with that because sometimes, yeah, you find, you know, books that more that magic sort of is like a deus ex machina or whatever, like it sort of just yeah. comes out of nowhere and solves all the problems But that. Obviously, that can't work. It's not a not very satisfactory from a, a reader point of view or from a story point of view you're not serving the story properly unless your, your magic has has rules and has a has a proper way to work so that's great i'm going to read those blogs with interest um but where did you get the idea for the in, in julie's book i should say for the listeners there's in, in her novel the last bell breather there's a magical book in the book and it has all you know all, all the the the, split, the the magic is in there but the cover is covered with um what are called grotesques, little kind of monsters that are made of wood and talons, mostly, you know, and they're they're kind of like the the alarm system, so that nobody <laughs> only, only only the 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 spell breather and people of her blood can can open the book, and it's it's just the most incredibly visceral. Mm. I don't know, almost. Frightening is in some ways, uh, you know, but but in a in, in the in a good sense, fright you know, frighten that kind of deliciously thrilling, frightening scariness that you get when you read a kid's book that makes you go, ooh, but but keep reading oh, nonetheless. Um but where did you get up? Where did you come oh, up with the idea for the grotesques for the cover?
2: I'm so pleased you said that. That's exactly yeah. the feeling I want to instill in the reader, you know. Yeah. Kind of a, ooh, but but not not um not to frighten them off the book, but but a slight veneer of horror in with the magic. Um yeah, so uh, when I was right, coming up with, you know, writing some of the very early drafts, um, I knew there was going to be a magic book in it. And um, it was coming off in my mind, in my writing as being kind of uh, bright magic, kind of fairy magic, um, kind of Disney magic. And, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just I didn't want that. I didn't want that feeling in the story. So um, I spent a lot of time thinking about um, how how could the magic be darker? How could the book be darker? Um, And uh, and um, I I thought a lot about it and I I built up in my mind these kind of dark images of of frightening story books, if you like. Um, And this is going to sound a bit weird, but I kind of built (laughs) up such a strong picture, I kind of let my imagination take over. Uh, and, it, and it ran, it ran uh, in my mind's eye with the book being covered in mud and that the fingers when touching it, you know, something, the book would bite you. Um, so <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it came to me that way. Um, so set it up in my mind, like I run a little animation, not at all consciously, unconsciously sort of took over. I, I really love doing stuff like that. Um, and then when the book bit my fingers in my imagination, it was like, oh, this has got to stay in the story. But now I've got to find out why, you know, why it's biting. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what's on there that's biting? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I write. You know, I I, I ask myself these questions. You know, I I see something, I see an idea, create an idea. If I get the feeling from it, it stays in the story. But then I've got to find out why, and then that takes a long time to sort of rattle through all the different permutations. You know, and knit the story together from that. But mm-hmm. that that was always in in the early, in the early draft. Yeah.
1: I love that. That's brilliant. Nothing to me is more organic, really, when you're writing a story than having an image or having an idea that you have to explain to yourself. That that to me is really the, the true sort of skill and structure, uh, or skill, I should say, of structuring a story. You know, mm. uh, I really love that. So I'm delighted to hear that that um, this is how you did it, Julie. It's it's really well, really well achieved. Um, there's something just so so icky but so uh, compelling. You know about the the way the the, the grotesques are described and the, and the, the sort of the mix of of you know, the, the the mud mixed with the blood of the of the spell partitioner you know oh it's just it's it, read the book if you haven't read it already basically listeners yeah. it's really it's really good <laughs> and it says um,
0: it says something really
1: interesting about like the power
0: that books have yeah that books can bite you and draw blood and terrify <laughs> you and like have that kind of like almost like a physical impact on you which is yeah. what we're here to talk about on the podcast like the, yeah, yeah. the impact that books have on you, that they will go below the skin. I
2: like oh, your segue, well, Susan. Very, oh, very well said. Very <laughs> well said. As you know, I was answering the question, you know, "Why are they? What are they? Why are they? Why are they? Where are they from? Who put them there?" Um, that's when I realised that actually they were performing a a good thing. They were there to protect uh, the, the main character, Rain. Um, you know, so so they were they were doing a bad thing, but for very good and sound reasons mm-hmm. um so that that gave it more depth to me rather than it just being nasty for the sake of it
1: yeah and yeah. without giving any spoilers away for the end or the kind of the, the latter stages of the book i really really love uh, how you kind of um what's the word brought their brought the grotesque story to a kind of to a conclusion or you know mm-hmm. kind of explained where they came from uh, it was really, really, really clever, but zipped on the details in case. Oh, they have real character the book. as well.
0: They really do. Yeah, they were like, yeah. I can just see them. I kind of want to hang out with them, even though they're <laughs> a bit terrifying. But yeah, no, I loved they, the grotesque. They gave me.
1: They gave me real. Um, uh, is it? Uh, You're gonna studio, say Jim Henson? Studio Ghibli vibes, maybe. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I got so Jim Henson yeah. vibes from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So brilliant I, told, I, I could see I, I could see the whole thing kind of like as a as an animation in my head and I could definitely see the grotesques on the book cover you know they looked they just they would lend themselves really well to being made into a into a movie or an animation would be fantastic but um anyway I suppose we should get back onto the pot- topic of the podcast and ask uh Julie our our wonderfully fiendish uh opening question which I always love which is Julie Pike are you story shaped
2: <laughs> well the answer of course is yes Yes. I'm I've always thought I was story shaped. And um, but I never never thought of it in that way, you know, uh, yeah. story shaped until the podcast came along and I was like, wow, yes, this is this is for me, this is what I think. Um, have you ever had anyone who said no? I mean, someday goodness. we might, and then we'll be like, yeah. okay, goodbye. <laughs> okay, see you later. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think we yeah. pick our guests with the with the hope that they will say yes. But we we yeah. had some very um some very uh, nuanced I guess answers to the to the question. Um, but most people will say yes, they are. But they yeah. they give all they all have different reasons or a different sort of um. There's different. Yeah. I've got
2: significance significances three... to it. I've thought of, I thought I i been doing my little homework for the podcast. I I thought why would I say yes? And I, I have so many answers that crowded in, but I've got three uh, examples that I thought I'd share with you. and Maybe we Excellent. could talk about some, uh, some of them or, or move on to other things. But, Brilliant, um, that's great. I, I'm, I'm always reminded that I'm story-shaped. Um, and I was reminded of that um, in the summer this year when I sat down to watch some old reruns of Doctor Who. I thought, I, I, I watched all the Tom Baker ones when I was a child, but I couldn't remember them. So I thought, I'm going to sit down, got BritBox, I'm going to watch them all. Uh, and in one of the early Tom Bakers, uh, this is the first one where, um, for any geeks out there, Andrick comes in to be uh, the companion. Um, we're on this planet and the Doctor is by late, and these, these fish monsters come out of it. And if you've read the book, which you have, you know where I'm going with this. Yes. Yeah. When I that scene in The Last Spell Breather, I thought, I, I was actually patting myself on the back <laughs> of how original I was being and how you know, nobody had ever come up with such an idea and how I enjoyed this idea these fish monsters and then i was watching doctor who you know actually you know image for image in my mind played out on the screen in front of me and i thought well you know clearly <laughs> I, i've taken it from this i've forgotten i've done it you know i've forgotten i'd even watched the show yeah but they were, they're just in me you know the stories are all in me and they they all come out together and when i when i go and do school visits um and you know you, i prepare an answer to the question uh, that you often get is where do stories come from And I say, they come from your story cauldron. And I flash up a picture of a cauldron. And I say, you know, every book you've ever read, comic you've ever read, film you've watched, TV show you've watched, video game you've played, they're all in you. Um, And then when you sit down to write a story, you know, um, your story cauldron, you you, you ladle up ideas that have already seeped into you. Um, That's why I think when you said story shaped, I thought, God, that's just so perfect. Because, you know, that was one live example. Um, and, and the other example that happened that reminded me I was story shaped happened just last week when I was on a, a writing retreat with some other children's authors. And we did a shared exercise about the stories that meant most to us when we were children. And we asked ourselves questions about, you know, why and what aspects and how they were showing up in our, in our lives today. And for me, you know, the, the, the story that started me all off was was an Enid Blyton, The Magic Faraway Tree. Mm, I and, loved that. Um, oh, I did so many things about that book. Um, the adventure, the fantasy, the magic. But um, it, it, in, the, in the last few months, I've moved from Dorset. I've moved to the Forest of Dean. And oh I was I suddenly thinking, I, I, since we moved here, I've been thinking, I, I couldn't be happier here living in the forest. I love it so much. And then we did the exercise the magic faraway tree, and enchanted wood, and I thought, I wonder if that's why I love this place so much because I'm living in the enchanted forest. So, or I like to think I am. So, so yeah, story shaped I am. Yeah, Aww. and that's
0: a beautiful answer. <laughs> now, what was it about? What was it about the magic faraway tree and the enchanted wood that stayed with you? Why was? Yeah. That, why did that have such an impact on you?
2: I think it was. Oh, so many reasons. I mean, it, it's uh, well set up in terms of, uh, you know, um, a place. So it's this enchanted forest. And if you jump over the dish, ditch from, you know, our world into the forest, the, the trees whisper to you. They make a sound. They go, wish wisher, wish, And it's just all I enveloping. And if you come through this. the forest, you get to this tall tree, the tallest tree in the world. And, you know, of course you want to climb up it. You climb up it and there are people living in the tree who you, you don't know yet, but you, you go on and have adventures with them over and over again. And the place that, and they're really interesting people, you know, like um, the saucepan Man and Moonface and Mr. What's-His-Name and Dane Washaloth. And, and um, you get to the very top of the tree and Moonface is up there and he's got, outside his, his front door is a ladder from the topmost branch that goes up through the clouds to different lands and the lands move about, you know, every few weeks Um, and you go up and you have amazing adventures. And I think what for me, it just blew my imagination with the variety of possibility um, and um, color and adventure. And, um, you know, some of the lands were a bit scary, but some of them were, they always showed up at the end of the stories, you know, kind of reward lands, like the land of take what you want and the land of eat what you like. And uh, you know those those just the, the abundance there um, spoke a lot to me. I grew up on a council estate in South Wales, and um, you know we uh, what not we weren't poor, um, were poor, um, were and and so you know these rewards at the end of the story, the land of eat what you like. I used to think a lot about what I would eat <laughs> and um, <laughs> how I would eat it, and it would involve Mars bars and Milky Ways and.
0: You know, <laughs> She was always so good on food, wasn't she, in Blyton?
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. The pop biscuits and the Google buns and you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that, yeah. That book, that book really, although you know that that book really was a massive influence on me too. I, I still, as, as you, as listening to you speak about it, reminds me of what a what a what an achievement it was from Nina Blyton's point of view like you know what a what a story achievement you know to to come up with such a fantastic concept and to tell it so well Mm. you know and to to have it I mean it it obviously it stands to it stands to reason that it's such a a brilliantly told story because it has influenced so many people you know so many people we talked on the podcast and even I'm sure Susan and myself both share we've all been influenced by that book uh, and has had such a powerful um, impact on so many um oh look, there it is. I'm <laughs> I'm oh look at am yeah.
2: her edition is being held up. That's beautiful. Oh, the actual I one I read. This is the first book I read. I remember reading on my own, you know? Oh, wow. The Faraway Tree. That's beautiful. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think mine my, my Arab ones were all library. I don't think I own any of the Faraway Tree books because I think they were all library books, but I do remember. Sitting or lying on my belly behind the couch in our living room, um, and and reading while everybody else is watching telly, you know, or whatever, and just just being my my happy little nook in the court in the corner of the room, just yeah. me meaning and Enid uh, off on our adventures. So, gosh, that's really cool.
0: I haven't read it since I was a child. I yeah, me neither. To. I, I haven't I read them since to, I, I was people tiny. People have mentioned it. I need to go back and reread those two books. And wh- what author did a did a kind of a Wilson was, Jacqueline Wilson. Jacqueline Wilson. I need yeah. to read that as well. Have you read that one? No, I I
2: haven't. And I'm not sure. I'm I'm sure it'd be really good, you know, but it's just a precious thing in my childhood. I I don't know if I want to overlay that with something else.
1: Mm -hmm. Is it a retelling that Jacqueline Wilson did?
2: I don't think so. I think it's a new story, I I think. A new story.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, there's been a series of writers, like contemporary children's writers, doing contemporary versions of classic books. Been in quite some cases, of them.
1: in some cases, maybe there's value to that, you know, to maybe update language yes, or whatever. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But yeah. The magic, the magic. Surely, uh, I think the magic remains, even if the language is a bit dated. But um, certainly, that's that's an amazing start for uh, for your your story shaped life, Julie. I, I love that book too. But um, and I love books, that you've
0: ended uh, up in a enchanted
1: wood now in an enchanted forest. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
2: consciously you thinking, well, you know, the enchanted world is just being here and you know loving it here and then you know as I say we had this writing exercise and I suddenly put the two together and I I mean I don't know if they're connected but I like to think they are so
1: I think of course they are of course they are (laughs) if you you, you think they are then they are for sure yeah
2: yeah Yeah. so I think because that first book um grabbed me and it was full of magic and possibility and imagination and that's what I you know felt a visceral connection to that's what I I I look for in a lot of my stories. That's what comes out in all my writing. I like to um, explore, uh, you know, have adventures, have exploration. And, you know, magic allows for wider possibility. Um, mm-hmm. So I like to write like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm also, I'm just thinking about the Enchanted Wood, or especially the way you were describing the book, that there is all these different boundaries so there's like you go over the ditch into the woods and then you go and you find the tree and then there's people in the tree and you climb up into the tree and then there's a ladder up to the land so there's all of these different yeah boundaries that you've got to cross to get to this magic land not sure where I'm going with that but I thought that was interesting
2: it is interesting I hadn't thought of it like that but you're right you've got Mm. to work for the adventure Mm. you
0: know
2: I think um, that certainly shows up in all of our writing you've got to work for it
1: yeah absolutely that's an old idea, too, if I was to think about my, my own uh, uh, experiences as if. Former medievalist, I mean there's Please a great, do. great story called uh, called the or not a story, it's a poem called the Land of Cocaine, which you know, oh, yeah. sounds a bit, sounds a bit <laughs> dodgy, maybe, but it's not, it doesn't have any reference to anything illegal. But it's the same. It basically, you get you get to kind of an, another uh, like a, an other world that's full of you know amazing things like you know uh, honey honey buns and you know uh, all the food you could eat and, uh, and you know rivers of milk and whatever and monks uh, yeah. monks and nuns doing lots of unspeakable and funny things. But to get there, you have to suffer through like you have to get through so many different boundaries and you have to you have to struggle so hard (laughs) to get to to get to this magical land you know so I think that that, that's going back to gosh I don't know. forget the year that was I forget the manuscript but the year the manuscript is but it's certainly for 13th century probably
2: so that's
1: that's that's an idea that's gone back (laughs) it's gone back a long way yeah that to get to this land of land of plenty or the land of magic you have to go through a whole lot of different challenges so that's i think that's been a an inspiration for people for for a long time
2: oh definitely and i and yeah. that reminds me of the the next book that um inspired me and influenced me um and there were many books in between um magic faraway tree and the next one i'm going to mention but um i'm sure this writer must have been influenced by that and this is um garth nix and oh. he wrote Sabriel, Liriel. Oh, oh my gosh! The oh, I'm so glad that
0: so glad that someone has finally mentioned those books. I love them <laughs> so
1: much. I wanted much. to be
2: the first person to mention. <laughs> <that>. Oh <laughs> my
1: gosh!
2: I, I, I all I wanted to write. You know, when I was younger, and I was I was a voracious voracious reader. And I did a bit of fan fiction um, but I, I didn't write you know because people from council estates didn't write books and have careers and I went off and, and had a career but there was it was always something missing and um, I wanted to write but I didn't know what and then in my late 30s a friend of mine handed me sabre and said read that and it just blew me away you know so the, the you know the, the magic system the working for it the the the, the lands you have to adventure over um, and when I finished the trilogy, I I knew that that was the kind of thing I wanted to write, you know, and mm-hmm. and I uh, got on with it then and I started my career as a as a writer of children's stories. So yeah, so that was oh, brilliant. I that is a deep, a... deep dive on it. Well, please, thanks, please deep dive thanks. on it. Oh, we abso- yeah, absolutely? Do We're, we'll do a little put, bit of a deep dive now. Though. Right now,
1: that's our horse and trilogy deep dive. This yes, it's been written down as we speak. Uh, those books are absolutely just uh, mind blowing and life forming for me as well but thanks Garth not only for your stories but also for making Julie into a writer because yeah uh, we, we owe you one for that but those books are just exceptional aren't they they're just on a different level to I think nearly anything else I've ever read they're incredible I love them and I've read I've read um Tersiel and Eleanor and I've read um Golden Hand you know the, the kind of the other kind of the accompanying books, Ariel, so yeah. ep- ep- epilogues and, and, and prologues to them oh they're all just oh, I couldn't say enough about them they're yeah. they're amazing But it's like that because I often ask that question,
0: like, what books made you into a writer? And people often don't have a one book that made them into a writer. It was just always this kind of amorphous ambition that they had. But you, you know, the book that made you a writer. It's it's Sabrio. That's I I love. So what was it? What was it exactly about the book that made you go, right, I have to do this?
2: Yeah, because it was the. I, I mean, I'll um I'll just give you a brief, brief little thing that says you know, I, I all my children's literature well, I was reading as a child or all, all children's stories were, were Enid Blyton. Followed my mother into the adult library too early, so I missed out on all the other children's books. I read all things Enid Blyton, all things Barbara Cartland, all things. <laughs> then I moved on to Conan Doyle. Um, oh my gosh. And so I, I wasn't really getting this magic thing again mm. until, you know, Sabriel landed on my uh into my hands. And there's a scene early on in Sabriel where she's gone um into the old kingdom. She she she's she she's, she goes to school, you know, but south of the wall, and she is called uh, for reasons I won't go into, you know, across the wall, uh, into the old kingdom. She's looking for her father. Uh and um She's being followed. She's being followed by a necromancer. Uh, so she's in this land. She doesn't know very well. She's got access to magic. She can't use very well because um, she's still learning it. Um, and this, she's 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 running across the landscape up a snowy mountain, and she's being chased by this this demon with fire coming out of his head and his hands, and he's chasing her. And she's trying to find away find a way through the mountain to her home, which she knows is on the other side. And there's a passage. It, it re covers about two or three pages and I literally had my heart in my mouth when I read that for the first time and that was the first time I felt like that since a kid you know reading um Glyton and stuff like that and it was just that connection back you know to me as a, as a young child being frightened by the story and reading quickly to help the heroine get to where she wanted to go because if I read quickly she'd get <laughs> faster, you know that's brilliant I love that, I love that. <laughs> oh. I wanted to do that. I just wanted to always stay in the story like that. Yeah.
1: There's something extraordinary about those books. It's like Garth Nix was plugged into a higher level of genius or something when you wrote them because they just, they just. And there's my
0: favourite cat character in those books. The cat is. Marcus is just it's
1: just so good I love Margaret.
0: the yeah. best cat character in literature full stop
1: everything about the everything about those books is amazing from the from the the, the locations you know to the the way they're described I and mean, that you can you can I can see the Abhorsen's house in my head mm. and the way the river runs around it I can see the glacier of the clare I can see the the kingdom of Anselstier and how it's how it's you know how it's so different like, to the old kingdom and, and the boys at school, and oh, it's just, just it's the fact so that it starts in a so school much. as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you, you you start reading it and you're like, okay, I'm going to read, I think I'm reading this kind of story, and then you're like, okay, no, I'm not reading, totally I'm reading different. a totally yeah. different story, and I am with it. I am there for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's
2: fantastic. And we haven't even
1: <laughs> mentioned the magic system yet. Sorry. Oh, God, the
2: yeah. magic system. Oh, the whistling and the charging. Ah, and- It's so uh, whole body ish of the bells.
1: The bells. Um,
2: Yeah. He, um, you know, being my imagination being fired up by Garth Nix, I wanted to learn as much as I could about him and read his blogs and watch his talks about how to be an author. And I went all the way to Hay for the first time to watch him speak. And, um, but what was interesting about him was that, you know, he, he earned his kind of writing stripes. By coming out of Australia and hiring an old banger and touring around England and Scotland and Wales and immersing himself in our culture and our stories and our heritage and all the Tolkien and all, all of that, and um, and he's a big fan of Georgia Hare as well. Ah. So that, he's like, wow, maybe I could be a writer because look, he is and he loves what I love, so maybe I can do what he does. And you know, he's story things. shaped like me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly That's that. Cause,
0: yeah. Yeah. Cause so, no, I've really, never I've never read Georgette Hare. I know that's a big,
2: big gap in my life. So I, need I need to, to go and
0: yeah. read some Georgette Hare.
2: I, I read it as a teen and it just spoke to me because um my mother obviously read it and so I read it and then I read all of them. But they, they you know they, these are stories mostly set in Regency times, and yes, they're all romances, uh, apart from the nineteen thirty detective stories, but um the interesting thing is that the women are front and center you know they are in charge of their lives they are having adventures um, they are dictating what happens to them by and large um within the confines of their society and um it was, they're very empowering books to read as a teenager i found that yeah. sounds
1: fantastic well they're not georgia Hare, but i think they're probably were they're probably inspired by there's a series a trilogy of books by the brilliant author stephanie burgess whose books i really love for she has written a series um, called I think it's called the Most Proper Magic Trilogy, but they're set in Regency times and huh? they have a very Regency flavor. Um, they're perfectly, um, they're perfectly. Uh, Julie's getting her pen to, out and writing the this down Practically, <laughs> yes. But there's there's magic involved in them too. But they have that same they have that same sense of female empowerment and the female characters being you know agents of their own destiny and whatever. And as well as that, they're so well written and they're so real and the dialogue is brilliant and there's such humour and heart. I really loved them. I read them. I think it wasn't last Christmas, Christmas before last. Just sat down over the Christmas break and read them, and I was like, oh, I had to just mainline them, read read all three in a row because they were just you just had to get Absolutely. right into them. They were they were fabulous. Um, a most proper magic series by by Stephanie Burgess. they're so we'll excellent, books. excellent. Yeah,
0: it's interesting yeah. that you're mentioning like those those um that kind of the empowerment of those female characters in the Georgia hair because one of the things I loved about the the last spell there was the relationship between Rain and her mother, mm. and it's like you don't often get in fantasy stories relationships between daughters and mothers. So I thought that was really brilliant.
2: Oh, thank you. I, I, I mean, <laughs> Rain's mother is my mother, so uh, it just, <laughs> it just all came. It came from that, really. Um, my mother wanted to be. A, I mean, she's she writes poems, she writes stories. Um, she wanted to be an author herself but um but hasn't uh succeeded and i I, I think mostly because she had had the belief i had the belief too that you know people from the valleys couldn't be authors and so she never really sent it out or anything like that and the day that i got my my book deal from OUP i rang her to tell her and wow you know she was blown away by it and she said these words she said but things like this don't happen to people and to like, people like no. us oh yeah and, and yeah. but she was saying it in there then she was saying it to hear how false it was to how, how untrue it was but all her life she believed it and i believed it um yeah. until i didn't believe it anymore yeah
1: i totally yes. relate to that you know i'm i'm not from a council state in in wales but i'm also i say some similar sort of background to yourself julie like and i grew up the same way feeling as though why would i bother trying to create when who would want to read stories written by an ordinary girl from an ordinary terraced house in an ordinary town in Wexford? Yeah. you know where you know i'm from a very working class background as well and uh you know we weren't like you said we weren't we weren't poor but we weren't well off uh, when, we, when we were kids yeah. we didn't we didn't want for anything you know our parents did their best um you know but it it was yeah it was it was a it was a life where i didn't feel as though there was anything much for me besides you know, staying in my hometown, getting a job and yeah, living my life yeah. there. And that's 100 percent That's perfectly fine. Yeah. I have no judgment on anybody who, who does end up doing that. But I always knew there was something else I wanted. Um and I didn't really know what it was until I was older. But I, I totally I'm I'm vibing with you here, Julie. I'm yeah, getting, yeah, yeah. I'm getting so, I'm picking up what you're putting down, man.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went on a, a school visit to Newcastle and uh you know, you did a did an assembly and um one of the kids put their hand up and uh, asked a question she said did opposite oh, he It was a he actually he said did anyone tell you you couldn't be an author you know a writer did you know when you were growing up did anyone tell you that uh, and I said yes yes they did I said but mostly anyone who told me that I didn't read really or believe and there was just one person who told me that who I did believe because I believed them I, I didn't try for a few years and I said Do you know who that person was and he said no I said it was me it was me oh, I t- I said, so don't. You say whatever you want to be, whatever you want to try, whatever you want to aspire to, do it, try it, you know, go for it. Yeah. Because there's there's no reason why you can't at all. So yeah.
1: Yeah, I do the very same thing in one of my talks. I, I give a picture of me as a child on a bicycle that didn't I didn't own. It was one that was kind of my. Oh. Belonged to my cousin, and we we all kind of took turns. And you know the, the the lane behind my house where we used to play, which was basically just like a you know a concrete sort of as far as you I could see when I was a kid, you know and um, people and just to show them that I came from somewhere very similar to maybe to some of them, you know, and that yeah the, the only the only major obstacle in in you know was was getting over my own sense that i can that I can't do this you know and in the in the hope that they will never feel like that about themselves. That the kids will, will say well look if this person can do what i can do too you know that's yeah would not be the best thing that we could possibly achieve mm-hmm. you know yeah. to, to encourage kids to to not stand in their own way you know yes. listen, and to let the light shine no matter where they're from or you know yeah um, it, it isn't true that people have to be you have to be x class or you have to have x amount of money in the bank or your parents have to do x or y for you to be able to be a creative person or to or to be an artist of any of any stripe you know it's uh... or that you have to read x amount of books because we've had exactly. authors right. on
0: the podcast yeah. who are who have said I didn't read any books when I was a child yeah but I'm still an author yeah because so, because we, we didn't have
1: them or we just couldn't yeah. Get them
0: or,
2: yeah 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 exactly yeah. that yeah
0: and that's rain's journey too isn't it like rain <laughs> yeah, yeah. stands yeah. in her own way and doesn't oh, believe yeah. in herself and it's that journey that she takes and the adventures that she has that helps her to see her own potential
2: yeah and then she hits you know something that she wants so much she has to overcome Mm -hmm. you know uh Mm -hmm. lack of self-belief because it's too important now what she wants is too important to worry about she just has to get it um can't be thinking about that anymore Um, and i
1: I love the way she makes a mistake i love the way you show her making even when I read the book again recently, just in the last few days for the podcast, I just oh. the, the the bit when I won't go into the details of it for spoilers, but when Rain makes the mistake that drives the plot of the book, I felt I found myself catching a breath going, Oh God, it feels so, you know, it, it just really strikes me as being, Oh, I can so relate to her and how she, how she came to make that mistake and how, you know, and uh, I just felt so, it was really well, really well achieved. And I love the way you allow your character to do that. You allow mm-hmm. them to have that moment of vulnerability and how they, did the wrong thing in the moment um and then spend obviously spend the book sort of trying to trying to make up for that um yeah. it's really really excellent <laughs> anyway sorry oh, thank
2: you very much yeah yeah um yeah, it's, it's funny though because in it, it um talking about you know not believing i could be an author um yeah. what what books did for me though and adventure stories uh I I I believed that I could have adventures, so all okay. the time I was holding myself back from oh trying this writing thing because I could not possibly um, I was going off on my own around the world with my rucksack having amazing adventures. So you know, good for you! And, and all that came from all that came from stories from,
1: me- all. from reading. That's amazing. So going yeah. to, going going to Giza and going to Kilimanjaro and all the things we talked about in your introduction. But they, yeah. they, those are because you you love to read stories, isn't it? Exactly, yeah.
2: all wow. the heroines, all the people, or oh, heroes of, of the story, they were all out doing adventures, doing what they wanted to do, exploring. Um, and and I wanted to do the same, you know. I wanted to uh, get out of the valleys. I wanted to explore, I wanted to travel around the world. Um, my dad used to say to me, uh, "Isn't there anywhere left? You've not been already." <laughs> <I'm> like, no. <laughs> The more places I go to, the more places there are to go to. Um but one of the uh places when I climbed up Kilimanjaro, uh that was partly uh inspired by um not the place in the story, but the act of climbing up a volcano was inspired by uh Jules Verne and Journey to the Centre of the Earth. Um I, I I didn't read that story until I was in my thirties or forties actually, but when I was a kid, we had a on story tape, narrated by John Pertwee, an abridged wow. version of Journey to the Centre of the Earth. And my brother and I, we, we listened to that. I mean, literally, uh, I, I am prone to exaggeration, but I sat down and tried to work it out, and I had literally 30 or 40 times when we were kids. <laughs> um, and I just, the, the act of, you know, going to a foreign land, hot, uh, climbing a volcano, and then going down into the centre of the Earth, um, and the adventures that happened there, uh they were so thrilling um i you know wanted that too so um that was partly one of the reasons i, I went up the volcano um of course it was nothing like it in the story <laughs> it was hard work but i tell you up at that altitude um the stars are the brightest you'll ever see oh, wow. them so, yeah it
1: wow, sounds amazing it's funny because yeah. i was thinking the other day that i haven't been to very many places i haven't traveled very very much i never really had that urge and i kind of in my, I was asking myself, I wonder that because I've read so much, like that, I feel as though I've been all over the world, and I feel as though I've been all over the universe, and yeah, that's why yeah. I never, I never bothered going and. Not, I mean, I've been to, I've been on a few holidays, but I've never really gone like you have you know on a on a an expedition somewhere I've never I've never done that but I don't feel like I'm missing out you know I don't have any great and plus at this age my bones wouldn't allow me oh, but, I would um... just stop <laughs> no no
2: like the ladies that climbed Kilimanjaro ahead of me they were in their 60s and they were they were doing much better than I was in my then God. early 30s So
1: they're amazing heroes yeah oh, yes.
2: yeah yes that's um, incredible yeah, so uh, yeah, it's interesting you say that, and I think you, you're right because the adventures that I've been on, or the explorations, or the, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, some sort of great explorer. I, I'm I'm signed up with travel companies, and there's a guide, you know, and sometimes there's someone carrying my rucksack. Certainly at Kilimanjaro, I'm no, you know, great explorer. I do it in a very safe way, but the um, the act of exploring is is um, really interesting, and I and I love it, but it's not like reading in the stories, because in the stories, there's always some great peril, and there's always some uh, magic. But the only time I came close to having great peril in an adventure I actually had, was I managed to persuade my brother to come with me on a survival weekend, a uh, week, a survival week in the Lake District, uh, in my early 20s. And it was one of these holidays where you learn to, you know, climb up the mountain, um, uh, you, you need to traverse a river, uh, you, you you build a um a, a little shack in the um in the woods, and you have to you know survive on your own for three days with making nettle soup and stuff like that. I, was, I mean, I'm just my poor brother. You know, he came with. Me. <laughs> yeah, um, we talk about it often. Um, oh God!
1: I'm glad he survived.
2: Um, yeah, but what happened one night when we were there? We were in little groups. There were two or three of us. We built our own little kind of like shack with um, logs and woods and branches, and they'd taken all our communication devices off us, all our um, watches, We really not what time of day it was, and there's a group of three of us there, and there were four or five other groups dotted around the top of this little hill. And um, one of the ladies in one of the other groups, she got sick. Um, she, she'd eaten something that disagreed with her on off the mountain. And she was being sick and, you know, we needed to get help for her. We needed to get a doctor to her. Um, And there was, we had no device to contact, you know, the centre that was below us, in the valley below us. What we were told to do is if you wanted to get help, you would walk to the nearest farmhouse and telephone. So at like one o'clock in the morning, we'd all gathered around all these little, you know, our huts had come together in the middle of this hill. It was snowing. We would built a fire. She was sick. Someone had to go and get help across the fields in the snow. So I and a few others set off to go and knock the farmer up. This was back in the sort of, um, what are we talking about here, Um, early 1990s, you know. Uh, And um, we trekked across the snow. We found the farmhouse um they ran down to the center help was coming and he made us a hot chocolate and i thought wow, oh. this is like an adventure i don't know what is it that's amazing
0: how did he feel about being woken up at one
1: o'clock in the morning he's probably used to it if, if that's what they told you to do yeah. if, the, if people are up there all the time being told to ring go and find the farmer and he'll help you It's yeah. like, oh here we go again another bunch <laughs> of last ramblers get the he hot chocolate yeah. up. <laughs>
2: Again, come on, yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, well, I mean, that's yeah. that's an incredible story fodder. That's that's yeah. a, no wonder you, you you write books then with all that kind of all that kind of experience well, in your head. Yeah.
2: yeah, but I wanted to say to you today, you know, you don't have to go on adventures to adventures. You know, to adventure, you do plenty of adventuring. Your books are filled with them. They're so. Yeah yeah thank you very much thank you yeah the eye of the north just absolutely blew me away it really did you it's know so i was so excited when i read it yeah i was on so... the adventure with you
1: yeah thanks so much and I, i'll never forget how kind you were to come up to to drive up to oxford to see me when we were we were uh, doing the event for the start or for the starspin web i think it was um it was really lovely to to meet you in person that time um it was lovely and you were you were so kind so it's just such a, such a pleasure to speak to you today um about this, the stories that have made you who you are um i'm really just so interested to listen to you talk about because your your experiences are so different to, to, to mine despite having a similar in, enough start in life you know you've, you've gone on to do such incredible things with your with your life so
2: uh-huh. I'm, really, I'm really Thank you pleased. I wasn't being kind I was fangirling the heck out <laughs> <it>? of <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah, I walked around the shopping center the brains going go on, go on go on go in go in go in she's like uh-huh. oh my god that's so funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and mean you know, here was here was I just pleased to meet another author, and I was I was you know so yeah. blown away to meet you. Oh gosh, we're all such a funny bunch. um, <laughs> <laughs> um so You said so you had a, three books. Oh yes, so third
0: we've done two. What's your third
1: one? Ah,
2: uh, oh, I did, didn't I? Um, oh God, there's so many. There's so many. Um, <laughs> the, the 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 one that certainly came up in um. Uh, writing of the last spell breather mm. was the Brother canval series by Ellis Peters.
1: Oh I don't know, awesome. yeah, were they on were they on TV? In, the, were, in on,
2: on yeah, t- t- I used to watch them on TV. Yeah, they yeah. were, they, and they were okay, but they weren't patch on the books. Uh, interestingly, I think um, the son of John Pertwee played the sheriff in the, in the version, so there's a link there. But mm, um, it, so he's say in medieval times. He's a he's a mm-hmm. monk. He's uh, yeah. in the sort of Welsh marches, you know, uh, around Shrewsbury, I think. Um, and he is a he's a, he's a healer. He was in the Crusades. He's come back. He's turned into a monk and he solves mysteries. Um, I, I, and I, I'm always intrigued by medieval um, stories. And uh, not to the, you know, don't have the same knowledge you have, Shinne. Oh, gosh. I've, mine, I've is, mine is rusty as yeah. an old gate at this stage. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, so he he's a he's a sort of medieval healer, and he, he solves mysteries. So it, there's no surprise to me when you know the kind of a medieval vibe turned up in the last Spellbreather. Um, and um, you know the the, the, the the in the in this in the citadel, you know the great library. There's a scriptorium where kind of mm-hmm. monk-like characters work on making the magic in the book. I think all that you know came out of you know Brother Cadfael and. Analysis.
1: that's amazing yeah uh, you told the total the Oh, like, now that I I never read the books for brother Catfeld, but I just I remember the, I remember the aesthetic of the tv show and um yeah and that totally I, I can so, totally see the connections there that's you achieved that really well I loved the citadel the way you described it and uh and I wish I had a cleaning spell to breathe over my floor <laughs> <and> yeah my- <laughs> That you know, would be so handy.
2: Yeah, it would be. That was the only thing that um, the character says that I actually thought it wasn't him saying, it was me saying yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> or a laundry washing spell. I could just breathe it over my my laundry basket, it'd be brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. gosh. And a what you like. That's
0: what we want. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's clearly such a a love of and respect for books in the last spell breather. Absolutely. Just, yeah. Just everything about like the the spell book that Rain's mother has, like the the beautiful illustration. Like it is,
1: yeah, they're like medieval manuscripts. In a manuscript, yeah. Exactly. And I I, lo- I love the way there's the, the sense always throughout is that the, the books are important and they're not mm-hmm. only sort of um they're not only important but they're they're really tactile, visual, beautiful works of art as well as being important from a from a magical sense, you know. Um and I love the way you, you always you, you emphasize how they have to be cared for and, and you know being dropped is not a good thing for, for your spell book you know for, for reasons that are important to the plot um yeah. I love but they're that, also like
0: that. they're not like these separate things they're there's such a relationship between the human and the book yeah. like the the, the you, that too. you you mind write you 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 breathe like they're in there's this inner relate this relationship between the the book and your inner self and your body which I loved.
2: Oh well that's kind, thank you. Yes. I mean that it all comes from my childhood, you know. Not that we were breathing books or <laughs> but, but I um, but the books were very important, you know. We we, we owned um a few books. Well we, we owned a few bookcases of books, most mostly there were secondhand books. Um there were my precious little blighters that my mother would get for me, you know, every now and then with pocket money. And and then apart from that it was just everything came from the library, mm-hmm. you know, stacks of mm-hmm. books that came from the library. Um, So they were very precious because they had to be looked after because they were going back to the library. Um, And I come to see books now as kind of my friends, you know. Books are like friends to me, Uh, particularly the ones from my childhood when I've you know read and reread. So there's a feeling that comes with them, holding them and reading them. Um, So yes, there is a connection. Um, Subconsciously, I think that comes out in the in the in the story. Yeah
1: definitely yeah I love that I love that it's the same as that's why we have so many or why I kind of have gathered them around myself all my life you know since I've been earning my own money or you know in a position to buy my own books I've just collected them gathered them and and wherever I've moved if I've moved house they've all come with me yeah I just they're they are they're a comfort they're they are my friends my, my books I sound like such a I don't know if that sounds so I don't know nerdy but I am a nerd and I'm very proud of that. But um no we're all it, there just, with you Sinead. Yes, totally. Absolutely,
2: totally. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. this no, as
0: gonna... you, so as you talk about as you were talking about the the folk of the faraway tree, I can I can picture my book. I know it's in my mum's house still. I know where it is. You know where I it, know it is. Know what it looks I l- like. I love that. I like it, and it's so loved that like all of the, the front cover is like falling apart and like I I, I can I know what it smells like. That book.
2: brilliant doesn't. Know what it smells like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my my husband thinks it's hilarious whenever you know what we have like I I've collected thousands of books, I suppose, over my, my life and their bookshelves are packed downstairs. But if I want to find something, I know where it is, you know. He says, How do you know in the chaos of these bookshelves where <laughs> stuff is I'm like, because I know they're my, my buddies, I know where they all are. I keep track of them, you know. So it's uh and if ever he tries to tidy them up and like, no, you're messing with my system. Um, you know but I I just they're they're great I love talk I love talking to people who are who get it you know you know what I'm exactly don't have
2: to explain it I remember going on some writing courses and and writing for children and the thing that you know really got me early on was that no one was asking me like why do you want to write for children because we all (laughs) all got it you know it was just yeah just you know there's nothing finer so well that kind
1: of leads me on a little bit to the next question I'd like to ask you if that's okay um um julie how, how would you hope your stories would shape your readers like if you think about your books being read by by young readers like you know what what kind of things would you hope they would take from the stories that you that you write
2: yeah so um i, I the only thing i want them to take is uh I'll get get at the end is is uh, a sense of really enjoyment and reading for pleasure because reading for pleasure shaped me so I really want readers uh, of my stories to, to 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 feel that all I'm interested in doing is grabbing them by the hand and saying, "I'm going on an adventure. Will you come with me? Come on! You know there'll be thrills and spills. It'll be dark. It'll be dangerous, but we'll come out the other side. It'll be all right. And um, just come with me on an adventure. And I want them to be story shaped in their own way. Find their own stories. If they like mine." great, but if they don't, that's okay. Find some others and and be story shaped that way. I think being story shaped is so important. Um, You know, having things to draw on later in life, be it books or comics or video games or films or TVs. I mean, Star Trek had a massive shape on my life. Mm -hmm. I know it did for Sharon Gosling. You talked to the other the other day, you know, so much so I've got a cameo of Captain Catherine Janeway in the last *Fellow and um, it's like I want readers to find their own way through. And if my stories help them, you know, read for pleasure and read other things, then that's my job done. Really, that's all that's, I want. That's
1: okay. brilliant. So you, you, you're kind of like a gateway to further worlds of adventure. You know, that, that, that's <laughs> fantastic. I love if it. If I can be a
2: gateway for kids, that I'm, I'm made up. <laughs> And that was one of the reasons I enjoyed being a, um, a reading partner and it's helping kids in school, you know, with their reading. Um, I was getting a lot of fun out of it. But that's what I wanted them to to, to access the world of, of words um, and not to be um, frightened by words on the page or um, think they're too difficult, too complicated to, to play with words um, and, and then access their own reading for pleasure and become story-shaped in any way they wanted
1: to mm-hmm. be. I Absolutely. Expect. Absolutely. Yeah brilliant um and if uh can you tell us what's coming up from you in terms of your, your your next project
2: that you might have on the on the boiler if you can tell us yes yes i yeah. i it's not been announced yet so I, I i can't say the details but i have two um, books in the publishing Ooh. pipeline. Ooh. Ooh. Cool. Uh, one coming out next year and the one and and then another one coming out the year after um not neither of them are sequels to Spellbreather, breather and, and these two books are not connected either so they're what we call same, but different, you know, so they're they're (laughs) all uh, magical middle grade fantasy adventures uh, in new worlds with different characters. Um, And um, the one coming out next year actually links back to uh, me climbing up Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro.
1: Wow, that's exciting. Uh,
2: And also the book that inspired that journey to the center of the earth, there's a kind of a homage to that in that story. So there's a kind of like a cyclical bit at uh, which I really like the idea of. Um, I didn't plan for it to be like that. It just has come out like that. Because that's
1: like, how you're story-shaped. I love those. <laughs> yeah. I, I love when <laughs> stories tell themselves through you. It's great to yeah. feel like a conduit. You yeah. know? Um, that's that story-shaped, being story-shaped in action. I love uh, that. Exactly.
2: Um, yeah. And then the one coming out the year after, I'm just drafting that now. So the other one I'm editing, this one I'm drafting, and it's set in a kind of a, a, a mythical land uh in the waters and lands between wales and ireland oh amazing yeah, brilliant yeah, yeah. i love it
1: already yeah i'm pre-ordering <laughs> i'm pre-ordering <laughs> so it in, instantly
2: and I'm, I'm exploring the theme of of a welsh word called here oh i which,
1: love that idea oh, yeah yes yeah. i've heard that word before yeah i love i love hearing it i love hearing it pronounced correctly too because uh you know
2: <laughs> but tell, tell us what that is so it's it's a feeling of kind of uh of longing uh, mm-hmm. for something that, that once was, or perhaps never really was. Never really was. was, yeah. I love, and, um, I, love, I, love this, I love the concept as well. That's lovely. It's, just, it's, a fe- it's a feeling, it's a feeling. That's what it is, first and foremost. It's so something yeah. that's irretrievably lost. Um, and it has a nostalgia bound up with it, and it has a sense of grief bound up with it, but not in an unpleasant way. It's, it's a nice way to be feeling and thinking about this thing that you can't get back to. And so I feel...
0: I like, feel like that about Irish mythology. Yeah. I feel like there's all of this stuff that's lost that we don't have access to anymore. And I have that feeling of loss and grief and yeah. homesickness for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well... Yeah. And well, Wales has that too, I yeah. think. Cause- yeah, um, so it's, it's exploring that, uh, and then sort of what happens when someone turns up who says they can take you there, and whether or not you believe them, and what you do, and what you'll do to get there. So anything
1: uh, instantly, yeah. my anything.
2: <laughs>
1: That
0: is a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. That's a fantastic. I can't concept, wait Judy. for that.
1: Can't wait for that. That's well, that both they both sound amazing, but uh, definitely the second one sounds totally my jam. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that one. That's oh, oh, I'm so I'm so happy much. to hear you, some, you have more work coming. I mean, that's brilliant delighted um and just to sort of wrap up things today can we ask what stories are shaping you right now do you have anything on your to, to be read pile or are currently reading that's that are that's interesting I have
2: so much on the to be read pile i know um, we're
1: all the same mine is like two feet tall it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah
2: um oh I, i'm 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 Oh, do you know later on when I listen back to this podcast I'll be saying Judy you should have said that then. <laughs> with
1: no pressure whatsoever
2: <laughs> no, no. what I'm reading right now is a collection of short stories by uh Diana Wynne-Jones the Crestomancy oh. series oh I, I love that this, and then she did some short stories yeah and, um is the, that the last... there's one Carol yeah. Owner's Last Dream oh I just read that I yeah. love
0: that yeah yeah
1: yeah. What's the name of the book? I haven't read them. Is there a name on the collection? Yeah. That, that you can think of. I if you can't find it, somewhere. don't worry.
2: Here it is. Mixed Magics.
1: Yeah. Mixed Magics. I'm going to get
0: that. Yeah.
2: If
1: can. There's like
0: four stories in there, isn't there?
2: Yeah, there there are. Uh, and they're all brilliant. But what I love, I never read. I didn't even know about Diana wynne Jones until oh. I was in my 30s. And then I read Neil Gaiman. And he was talking about how he was influenced by her and how he met her. And she mentored him. And I went on to read all her stuff. Uh, of oh, some of her stuff. I haven't read it all yet. Um yeah. but she she's she she is the ultimate not talking down to the reader, you know. She, she treats readers Edith, like they're absolutely on the same wavelength yep. together. So That's she, what I like about massive it. themes in her book. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah, yeah. And totally. her plots are really complicated, but yeah. They come together so neatly at the end all yeah. Well except for Byron Hemlock, which is left kind of open, but I I love that book yeah. anyway. But I, I just think there. She said she was fantastic, and I love the fact that I read her books and I read her husband's books too because he was a medievalist. So I read oh, both. I did not know <laughs> this. What's
2: it's her okay. husband
1: called? Uh, uh, Gosh, John John Barrow or John Burrow? I, I think it was one. I'm not sure if it was Barrow or Burrow. Um, but he wrote some really good books. Um, uh, about the 14th century and things, and he was great. So
2: yeah,
1: I feel very I'm proud sure of that. I to
2: that too. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: um, but I love her. So we're totally we're a total Diana and Jones fan club here. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, something else you want to share in terms of what you're reading or anything? Else. Any other books you want to give a shout out to before we wrap things up for today? Uh,
2: well, I, I've got this on my desk here that I was going to talk about, it, and it's a non-fiction. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: I wish you could see the cover of this book, Mysteries of the Unknown, and it Mysteries. has the coolest looking dinosaur I've ever seen on the film. Yeah. And
2: it's about <laughs> monsters, ghosts, and UFOs. Yeah. there's, oh, so so there's like a dragon. It's a dragon. There's a dragon, dragon a with
0: UFOs behind his head.
2: Yeah. Mysteries of the Unknown. My brother and I poured over this book. This was our like go to Bible y kind of book when we were kids. Um, but what, what's interesting about it is it's produced by Osborne, and um, they printed um, three books last year one for monsters, one for ghosts, oh. one for UFOs. Uh, and I bought them and I read them thinking, wow, oh, these look familiar. You know, we should have read these stories before. Sure I've read these before, yeah being back to my family home recently. And I found this, the original version on the shelves. Um, and you know, this is another reason why I'm story shaped. You
1: know, oh my gosh. Just... Well, I would have read that to bits as a kid. Me that too. looks incredible. That's just totally, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we could show a picture of it. I mean, see, can we find it a... oh, on, on our social media? It's just amazing.
2: Yeah. Um, but yeah. But yeah, so, so I grew up believing that those things were kind of real, right? I you know, know they I mean, were in, in
1: a book things, horse, but they was born right? real. <laughs>
2: yeah. So of course we should be writing about stuff. It's you know there are dragons, there are aliens, and there are ghosts. So let's write about them. Eh? Amazing. Well, that's yeah. a good place to end.
0: There are there are dragons, there are yeah, aliens, there, is.
1: there are ghosts. There are ghosts. So let's write about them. I love that. Perfect. <laughs> the perfect wrap up for the episode. So just remains to say, Julie, thanks so much for being so generous with your time and and your. Uh, and your story and sharing all your story shaped goodness with us. I mean, this has been a fantastic. I love looking back over. I make notes as we go of, of the, the, the books that are mentioned by the by the p- person we're speaking to. And I love when I look back over my notes and go, wow, I'm going to really enjoy writing up these notes. Um, you've really mentioned some fantastic books. Um, and it's been a joy to speak to you. Um, I love that we've gone from Barbara Cartland to uh, Brandon Sanderson to <laughs> Hanovan Jones to UFOs and ghosts and monsters. I mean, how what what a fantastic spread of books. Um so but thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, it's really been brilliant. a joy.
2: Thank you so much for asking me onto the podcast, and thank you so much for setting up the podcast. I have hours of of pleasure listening to it. So I'm I'm thrilled to be part of it. Thank you very I'm much. i really glad.
1: That's brilliant. Oh, well, we're that's delighted all we, to have that's you. All we want what <laughs> we wanted was to was to bring a bit of joy and bookish bookish happiness into the world. So thanks so much, Julie, for being part of that for us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, until until next week, I guess we'll have to say farewell and adieu. Um, so it is goodbye from me, Sinead O'Hart. Farewell. Bye from me. And goodbye from me, I guess.
2: <laughs> <laughs> goodbye from Julie. I get to say goodbye. It's goodbye from me, Jake.
1: <laughs> This has been the weather with Julie Pike. <laughs>
0: there are UFOs in the future.
1: Yes, oh. <laughs> there's a, a a small chance of UFOs on this afternoon. Yes. But, um, but yeah thanks thanks so much for listening everybody and and don't forget to like and subscribe and review us if you can um and share the episode with everybody you think would enjoy getting story shaped along with us um, and until next week we shall say bye-bye bye bye you've been listening to story shaped with susan cahill and sinead ohart follow us on twitter at story shaped pod and don't forget to subscribe on the streaming service of your choice so that you never miss an episode. Music by Tony Beths <laughs>